millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hello and welcome to Brett and Cliff's Flea Circus. My name is Cliff. Hello and I'm Brett. I like the way you went. Hello. Hello. Like that. Well, I've Hello. got a bad. I've got a bad throat, Brett. I'm, I know. I'm, I'm under the weather. I know. I know. What's but on you, your you t-shirt, Boba Fett? Oh, no, it's Vic and Bob, man. Is it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> what is it? I can't see. Vic, Vic and Bring Bob. Bring your chest close. Oh, I can see now. They're like samurai <laughs> warriors or something. It's what it's one of uh, Vic's artwork things, oh, I right. would imagine. Good. Got it when I went to see them. I was going to give it to you, but I thought, fucking, I'll keep it. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> and how are you doing this week? Ah, uh, you know, kind of complaining and all that. Will you complain? Um, yes, I probably will. <laughs> well, to be honest, it hasn't been that good. We're, Why? Well, poor dog died this week. Oh, what? With, I know. You didn't tell yes. us what the fuck. I know. So yeah, it was not the best, but you know. Why we, didn't you we, tell we... us? I feel like a right ass. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know why. Maybe it, it was just you know, it was too difficult for us to talk about. Well, I'm very sorry. To although hear although that. I'm talking about it now. Well, now it's person to person. You know, we can talk yeah, exactly, eye, yeah. eye to eye. Um, I, I, I'm very you're sorry. You're always terrified of, of uh, Alfie, weren't you? you? You were very wary of him. He was quite, for being an old dog, he was quite in your face. <laughs> he was. He was very excited when you came around, wasn't he? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that that was a little bit. Uh, well, well I, I genuinely am very sorry to hear that. And uh, please mm. accept my thoughts and prayers. Accepted. Accepted. So uh, you had better news this week, apart from being ill. Is is it World Cup fever where you are in Dubai? Well, you know what? It it will be because I don't think many people are actually going to go to the World Cup. <laughs> <laughs> there must be people that you know going. Must be. Yes, there are. But I think like every day as it gets closer, they're a bit like, should I bother? Or should I just watch it here with me mates yeah. where I know I can have a bit of a laugh in that? Because uh-huh. um, it's just so difficult. I think we talked about it before. Like, I've got the chance of tickets with me mates. Like, the, the, I've got mates who bought tickets with for me, like, to go. But even yeah. back then when they were booked, I was like, look, I, you can 
feel free to find someone else because I've changed my mind. It just seems like uh-huh. a right faff on. And then uh-huh. today, like, look, nobody needs to have a pint while they're sitting in their seat at the World Cup. Like, you don't mm. need to have a pint while you're watching. Well, you can't football. in England anyway, can you? No, but I, what I found out today was the World Cup, you you could, you should be able to. That's part right. of Budweiser's deal. So Budweiser's oh, right. sponsorship of the World Cup means mm-hmm. you might go to the Stadium of Light every week and you have a pint in the concourse, but then yeah. you finish your pint and go and sit at your seat. Mm-hmm. Whereas when the World Cup comes around, Part of Budweiser's influence over that tournament means you should, you ordinarily you would be able to have a pint in your seat, which mm-hmm. I don't necessarily think is necessary or agree with, to be honest. But yeah, yeah, pint in the concourse is a different matter, isn't it? Of so course, it is. Yeah, a, a few it weeks ago they said actually you won't be able to get a pint in the concourse either. Anything yeah. inside the stadium, zero alcohol beer. Which, mm-hmm. you know, we both have a zero alcohol beer from time to time. So I'm not knocking that. Do. Yeah. But it makes it a bit different. So they mm-hmm. said, but actually, once you get in like the gates and the, the perimeter of the stadium. Stadium. Not inside it, but in the perimeter. Yeah. Can, there'll be bars. Like fan zones. But like, you know, like if you go to a gig at the stadium, like there's like a fence around the stadium. So you've got to get in that first, then you get in the yeah. stadium. So they went, uh-huh. we'll, we'll set that up and there'll be bars in there. Then earlier uh-huh. this week, they said, actually, there, there might be, but we want you to hide them. <laughs> so nobody <laughs> can see them. So hide nobody can them. find them. Because we don't want it to be so on view that people are massively encouraged to have a drink and all of that. So... Budweiser, there's fil- there's footage of people like picking up these like tents of the bars in and like moving them around. And uh-huh. then today they went, actually, forget that. Uh we it's don't want bar- we don't want bars anywhere near the stadium at all. So if you want to have a pint, you've got to go to an official fan zone. Nowhere near the ground, because they're miles away. And uh-huh. then you've got to get a bus to go to the ground or whatever. Or a metro or it- whatever it might be. So like I say, I don't think you need a beer to sit and have a beer at the match. But... No, but it's part of the, I guess, the experience of it, isn't it? it having it a pint is. before, having a pint afterwards, half time or whatever. It is. But it's a strange one that they've, they've kind of reneged, I guess, on what the world Well, that's the thing. It, whether it is or isn't, it's definitely part of Budweiser's $75 million deal that they do. Well, yeah, I, mean, I don't <laughs> think Budweiser are going to be too happy, are they? So every World Cup, they pay $75 million to provide to be the beer sponsor. Mm-hmm. Now, it's not like there's a different beer sponsor this time. So they're still getting all of the advertising and the logos everywhere and all that. But obviously, yeah. they won't be making money on beer sales, mm-hmm. um, which is maybe not the biggest part of it. But I would imagine when the next World Cup comes around in the US, or it's US and Mexico, I think the next one, isn't it? Mm-hmm. I know. I, um, I bet they're not paying the $75 million for that when it's in America because they're going to be owed massively from FIFA. Because it's not uh-huh. Qatar. Budweiser don't have a contract with Qatar. It's with FIFA. And FIFA are obviously yeah. doing what the Qatar authorities have, have asked them or told them to do because they hey, paid I, I mean, tell you what, hundreds of millions I don't of dollars. Th- but... I don't think FIFA have thought this through, have they? I don't think they have. It's been. not like them. They it's not like big, them, is it? They got a big paycheck 12 years ago <laughs> and then it's now it's two days before the tournament 
and <laughs> still don't really know how it's going to work. Which... Was Pl- was was it uh, Sepp Blatter, was it, who uh, yeah. awarded this? Because when Sepp Blatter got relieved of his duties... Uh-huh. Him and Platini. Uh-huh. Who was sad, it's sad, isn't it? Sepp Blatter being corrupt. I mean, who cares? But Platini being corrupt, you don't really want to think about that, do you? Like, you... No, not really. <laughs> Although he did play in black and white, so, you know... There you go, and that's why, isn't it? But, yeah, so it's, you know, if you pay $220 million or whatever for a tournament to be held in your country, you can probably decide what you want is going to happen, you know? like, But But it's it's weird. But like I I said to you earlier, like I've got mates here who got tickets that they paid for who are just like, yeah, I think I'll just stay in Dubai and watch it in the pub. There's big fans. So in. they're not even going to bother, even though they've got tickets. They're not going to nah. bother. So I, I, I genuinely think a lot of the stadiums will be empty or, or like not full for these games. And I think that vision and the spectacle of that and the atmosphere created by that or lack of atmosphere, will, I think this World Cup might fundamentally damage the way football. Nobody really cares about international football until it gets to the World Cup. Yeah, and if they don't well, care about it now, because uh-huh. not just empty stadiums, but all the other stuff that people are upset about, which is absolutely fair enough, this could uh-huh. like ruin the World Cup forever. It, it could, because I mean, one of the main reasons I got into football so much was that World Cup in nineteen ninety, and uh-huh. you know, obviously the Premier League and stuff spawned from that, didn't it? So, if you have a good World Cup, then obviously you know, good things can then come of it afterwards have we had a bad one in our lifetime well, i mean it's they, like there's better football in some than the others isn't there that one I where mean, turkey they, and south korea got the semis not not amazing but you know yeah i mean the, the american one that was still good wasn't it even though england didn't qualify in that i think we that's because we didn't, to do well. because we didn't <laughs> care about it like we didn't yeah. you know what i mean like stoichkov and hadji and there was uh-huh. players, you know, you know, we stop, you know, we like Ireland at that point, and you don't really care uh-huh. if Ireland win or lose, and they did well, and that's great. But I yeah. think it's that, you know, like, do you think when we were ten, we would have thought that at some point the FA Cup would be like, well, well, whatever. No, well, the FA Cup was the biggest thing, you know, again for me, exactly as a kid. on both sides, a yeah. full day dedicated to it after yeah. the season. So it's nothing else is going on. Such a big uh-huh. deal for fans, for the teams. Now it's like a couple of weeks before the season ends. It's on one yeah. side. Nobody really cares about it because the, just the leagues have took over it's, that. It's and the nobody Champions would have League, that. I think. It's so, the Champions League that's taken away from the FA Cup, I think. But I, I think, think it could it that could also take away from the World Cup as well. Like I, I hope it's uh-huh. not because also just the way you consume football and information has changed the World Cup. Why did we like Hadji and Stoichkov in 1994? Because we'd never actually seen them play, but we'd read about them or seen the odd clip yeah. on Gazetta Football Italia or Transworld Sport or whatever. You'd heard uh-huh. about these players but hadn't really seen them. So when you actually saw these players that were so skillful and, you know, different to your, mm-hmm. your English players or the, the England team, it was amazing. Now you can watch well, anybody and anything, can't you? Like, I know I sound like an old man, but it does take no, some I, I think I think that's a little bit true. I mean, my dad used to say it was every World Cup, you'll see one player that does something a little bit different. Right? And you'll still see that. 
So, I mean, you think back to, like, you know, Saudi Arabia, that, that guy scoring dribbling <laughs> from the halfway amazing. line and stuff. Remember that? <laughs> yeah, like, He's called Al Azawabi or someone like uh-huh. that. I can't remember his name. But there was, there was always something that happens. Do you know what I mean? Let's hope in this World Cup there's something like that. There will be. There will be because there, that there, Well, if there, if there is, if there is, then that, that'll be Look, great. There are still know? players you don't know about, but just the landscape of football and the way people talk about football is so different now. Everybody's uh-huh. a fucking expert. Everybody goes, oh, well, you know, in uh, the Spanish Segunda Division, there's this guy who plays for Girona who... Yeah, well, who, that's bollocks though, isn't it? That's I know, it's absolute bullshit. But that's, that's, know what yeah, but that's about just they what the language of football has turned into. Like, yeah. fucking stats and, like, Twitter. I hope Twitter gets destroyed because it'll hopefully <laughs> see see the end of all of these, like, absolute cunty football wankers that talk yeah. about football in that way. Nobody mm-hmm. talks about football anymore in a way of the... Exhilarating excitement of watching something the love of it. exciting. It's they all talk about, about football. Yeah, it's all about the knowledge, isn't the, it? Yeah, the knowledge, like the 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 formations that somebody might play, the press and the stats, the mm-hmm. amount of fucking kilometers somebody's run. I don't. How many kilometers do you think the best Ronaldo Leticia. ran in the game? Oh, Leticia. How many did Leticia run? Or yeah, even Alan Shearer or Kevin Phillips or any of these guys or Andy Cole or any of these guys like would not have run a lot. Well, they, they won't have the thing is, the thing is like... about football now, it is all about running, isn't it? it it's not so much it's about, about fitness. You, you never particularly <laughs> see, you know, people going past people anymore. That's what I don't like about modern football. But then you when never you do, see it's people trying to take people on. But that's why we love the World Cup. That's why we love watching Hadji and people like that and Stoichkov because they, they'd go for it. And Lechkov, obviously, but it, it, it's it's all about how you know it's a wall of attrition, really. Football these days, isn't it? It's, who has it's, that it's little two teams spark. running? Yeah, yeah. It's two who teams has running. that little thing? And that's why players like Jack Grealish and Phil Foden still excite fans, but aren't trusted by the manager. Well, they're not going to. I mean, he, he was forced into picking Madsen, really, wasn't he? Forced yeah. into it, and again, another player who has like moments of magic, mm-hmm. but doesn't really fit the mold of somebody that'll just run all day. I mean, what we would normally do if there was a tournament on, we, we would do a podcast before the tournament started. You know, uh-huh. we haven't even bothered. Have we? I haven't even thought about well, it's it. Kind of snuck up as well, hasn't it? Because it's a stupid yeah. time. <laughs> yeah, I mean, normally you have well. a big build-up because the season's ended, and you know it's coming in a few weeks, and all of yeah. the coverage starts and all of that. But now, uh-huh. none of that's had a chance to happen because Sunderland were playing last week, and I know Sunderland aren't. Uh-huh. They've got two players in the World Cup, but you know, Man U were playing last week, Liverpool played last week, Man City played uh-huh. last week, AC Milan, Real Madrid, all of these players we were watching them like four days ago yeah so it's, it's rubbish um, and for england as well i mean obviously the the excuse was always oh it's the end of the season the players are shattered they don't have that excuse but they do about the heat don't they because the players they this the week heat, but also... had to cancel their training sessions because it was too hot <laughs> did they not realize it was going to be hot but also you get you have that them weeks to rest, right? So we might, oh yeah, it's the end of the season, it's tired, but you have a few weeks to rest. Now they've come off the back of three games a week for 
Like, and everybody yeah, but... will be the same. So I might end up seeing like really jaded football. And there's some, mm. how many good players are injured that can't make it? Oh, there's a few, isn't there? There's, there's, a, there's a few. Not necessarily I'm, for England. I've still. Oh, more than two for England. The right backs in that. James course, is injured. But luckily, we have fucking hundreds of right backs. <laughs> we certainly do. But how we many left backs are in the squad, Brad? How many left backs are in? I'm not sure. One. Just the one. But keep it's, it. Are you crossing Trippier? But, but no, that's though. not Trippier. So mm-hmm. we've got one apart from Trippier, and he'll definitely start Trippier at left back. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, let's. Well, I mean, we yearn like, for the days when we didn't have a left midfielder. <laughs> for years, for years, England didn't have a left midfielder. They just abandoned Joe Cole's the, the man. They just abandoned it. Let's put him there. They just did. He used to play schools at, at left wing in that. Horrendous. Schools, Gerard, fucking like, just. Horrendous. I mean. Why couldn't they just play wing backs? Well, we always <laughs> said it. <laughs> I mean, Venables played wing backs, didn't he? And then uh, after that, we just forgot about that formation. Yeah, the Christmas about... tree formation. Oh, yeah. What a formation. Had a, what a, a formation. Name. Christmas tree. <laughs> anyway, this isn't a anyway. football podcast. Is it not? And we're not really here to talk about football today. Oh, we're not? No. No, we're not. Hey, the... There's a football link, though. Well, Surely yes. you know the football link. <laughs> yes. So today we're talking about a film starring mm-hmm. the Escape to Victory goalkeeper. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Sylvester Stallone. Yes, and I still indeed. think nobody knows how he was the goalkeeper in that film. No, I, I they broke <laughs> the original goalkeeper's arm. I remember that bit. Was he but... over the top? Was he over the top? Who knows? Is that another <laughs> Stallone film, isn't it? <laughs> might have questions about that later. Oh, might you? Okay. Well, we're going mm. to talk about Rambo First Blood. And oh, no, get... no. No, no, no. Just First no. Blood? Just First Blood, Just yes. First blood. We're going to talk Not about Rambo. Rambo 1. <laughs> <laughs> no, no Rambo involved. I'm it's sure it's the rechristened Rambo First Blood, but it I, has I know. Because I know I've got it was the box set. First Blood. I've got the box set, and on the disc, even it's got Rambo First Blood. Yeah, but originally, but there's no First Blood right? Rambo. Yeah, it's just First Blood. Have you? And you haven't seen this before. And the reason that we, we actually chose this is because of your good old dad. Uh-huh, of it? course, uh, my lovely dad. Mm-hmm. Do you praise, think your dad's seen me. it? Uh, I think he probably doesn't like it. <laughs> <laughs> but he's into the action films, and this is one of the best in my book. Like, well, I can't remember him watching it when I was a kid, and mm-hmm. I very much doubt he's watched it since. But he may well have right. done. You know, he, he watches a lot of films. He stays up late and watches films when when everyone else is a peeping. So maybe uh-huh. he's he has watched it again. He will know it, of course. He will. Uh, of course, he will. But. But I'd never seen it before, no. Um, in fact, it's nothing like I thought it was. <laughs> yes, you, you sent us a text, didn't you, saying, <laughs> this film is not about what I thought it was about. No, not at all. And that's, and that's a good thing, I think, because when you think of, like, you know, these Rambo films, they're ridiculous, aren't they? Uh-huh. They get increasingly ridiculous as they go on. But this one isn't like that. I think it's it's it's, you know... It's got a lot more, you know, realistic elements to it. 
especially the character of John Rambo. John Rambo, of course. John Rambo. Presumably, you've got a first name. <laughs> yeah, John. <laughs> yeah, John. <laughs> so it's it's basically about a man, a troubled man, isn't it, with PTSD? That's what it's about. Yeah, I, I genuinely thought it was about a big muscly man who went uh-huh. to war and killed loads of people with a big machine gun. That is the rest of the films. Is it really? After okay. this. Yeah, okay. yeah, that's all the ones after this. So it basically, it gets more ridiculous. It goes on. He turns into a superhero in the second film and he can't be killed, really. <laughs> but but in, in the first one, it's not like that at all. And that's what I like about it. In the later films, they lose the fact that he's a, a very troubled man. Lose that. And I think that's the the thing that's interesting about this film that he is a dangerously troubled man. Isn't when he? did this? Film Obviously, come he's out? pushed. He's pushed. He's pushed. They shouldn't have pushed him. They but, shouldn't uh, have pushed him, should they? But when did this film come out, Brett? Nineteen eighty-two came out. So where a year after we were fit, born. Where does this fit in the Rocky and he's the rest of his career? Rocky would have been before this, and I think um, Rocky was his big hit. 77, 76, something like that, yeah? Um, and a lot of the films that he made after Rocky were complete bombs. So Staying Alive? Yeah, well, he, I think he... Did, was he in that? But he wrote that, didn't he? He certainly directed it and starred in it. <laughs> I think he's he's in it, but I think he's, like, uncredited in it or whatever, isn't he's he? The, he's the main guy. <laughs> Is he? I thought it was Travolta in Staying Alive. Saturday Night Fever. Yeah, but Stallone wrote Saturday Night Fever, didn't he? <laughs> no. Yes, he did. No, he didn't. Right. He I, yeah, I'm, I'm checking anyway. this. I'm checking Dan's this. I knew on. he wrote Let's one. ask Dan. He'll know. Let's He's ask Dan. On. Right. So we're welcoming Dan. our friend Dan, friend of the podcast, been on a couple of times before. Uh-huh. Good guy. He's joining us. Hello? Dan? Can we, you hear Are you us? with us? He's with us, but... Are you with us, Dan? In spirit. I can hear you now. You're all right. How are you doing? Hello. I'm very good, thanks. You all right? Yes, mate. How are you? Um, I'm excellent. I'm in the middle of a, a reading week at university, now now currently titled the Creative Industries Week. Okay, so we nice. The, Does that mean you don't have off. to go in? Yes. Which was obviously the important. <laughs> I, had I had to give an, an online lecture the other day, and also had a dissertation meeting today. Well, it sounds like you've been doing some work, at least. I've been doing some work, but thankfully, it's been working from the best place, me bedroom. <laughs> <laughs> Is that working from the best place to work from, or just it's the best place? It's the best it's the place, place to be. be. <laughs> it certainly is the, Dan, the best place. Dan, we've already started talking about John Rambo. Is that the name of the film? No. Uh, it's not, but it's the name of the man. <laughs> so we've started talking about First Blood, and I was saying uh-huh. to Brett, where does it fall in the Stallone filmography? And we're arguing about it, so maybe you can... We are arguing. ...help us put it into perspective. It's, it, it's, not, uh, it's not there with the Rockies for me. No, but I mean, in chronologically, where does Oh, this... chronologically, well, it's 1979, isn't it? So, oh, 
Well, I, Brett's I 82. Whatever well, gonna agree yeah. on anything here. <laughs> <laughs> it's 82. It's 82. 82. Okay. Uh-huh. I'm getting mixed up mixed up with something else. Um, that so that'll be after the first Rocky then. <laughs> yeah, because when was the first one? 76 or something like that. It was the late 70s. Mm-hmm. So Wardy, you don't you think Rocky 2 on onwards isn't as good as this fellow? No, no, I'm saying I'm saying I think I think all the Rockies, apart from Rocky 5. Or better than Rambo. What? Ooh. Get away, get away. <laughs> this is, I, I, I love Rocky. Rocky is absolutely amazing, the first one. But then, you know, the sequels go down a lot, like the Rambo films. But this, well, the first one, First Bloods, unbelievable. This I, is I where we'll, we'll disagree, because as you, as you probably know, Rocky Four is my favourite of the Rocky films. So <laughs> yes, yes. I do know that. I do know that. Yes. I thought that, that Rocky Sylvester Stallone had some kind of writing input in Saturday Night Fever, but Cliff said I'm talking nonsense, and I probably am. Still alive. I've not, I've not, I've not heard that one before, but um, I'm sure it's me wife who told us that. <laughs> I'm sure it's me wife. Saturday Night Fever is based on an essay that was in like Rolling Stone or the New York Times or something like that, and mm-hmm. they adapted it for the big screen. Right. But then Sylvester Stallone, I think, took it upon himself to write a sequel and star in the sequel. That's my understanding of it. Right, that, that could be true. That might and be why I'm, I'm mixing those things up. <laughs> <laughs> Is it? It's shit. So I'll tell you well, what I'm... What It's the same with Rocky. Mm-hmm. He's, he's not... He's a bit skinny, isn't he? And he's not... He's, he's not like 50-year-old Sylvester Stallone in this. He's a very small man. I don't know if you've noticed. He's tiny, isn't he? It's it's different uh, to obviously the first Rocky because in the first Rocky, he's he's not kind of the the superhuman man that he is in the later films. But he's uh-huh. a bit he's a bit portly, a bit rotund, a bit plump, a bit flashy. You know, whereas <laughs> in Rambo, he's very lithe, uh, very lean. Because he's he living on his wits most of the time, isn't he? He's not exactly. He's, well, he's, he's not just, enjoying a nice life. So he he's is. A, he's a drifter. He's a he's a drifter, as uh, Brian Denny points out on multiple occasions. <laughs> Uh, so he's obviously not well nourished at the time. Dan, explain the plot of this 1982 film, John Rambo. Okay, okay. So this is how much we've, we've decided to uh, retrospectively give the working title John Rambo. Um, oh, it, but... It's about a, a Vietnam veteran, who um, the, the eponymous John Rambo, who... Um, he, he goes, he turns up from, from what I could ascertain, he turns up in a town, just a random town to look for one of his old mates who's mm-hmm. who's died. Um and just like decides to have a knock about there. And uh he's been knocking about about 10 minutes, just wandering along the road. And Brian Dennehy takes um a big dislike to him. He's uh Brian Dennehy plays Sheriff Teasel in the film. Uh-huh. Takes a big dislike to him, mainly because he's a drifter, um, has numerous digs at his his appearance. Like his his smell, um, I presume he's quite pungent from the way he talks about him. Uh, doesn't like his hair, doesn't like his style of clothes. So decides to intimidate and bully him a little bit, take him into the station, rough him up, and this sets uh, John Rambo off on a, um, a path of destruction. It triggers some sort of flashback, some sort of PTSD thing from his Vietnam days, and um, chaos ensues from there on. Brett, do you think yes. John Rambo overreacts? No, not at all. <laughs> he's uh, he's got he's got to see his mate. His mate's died, which is obviously he's, terrible. From Agent honest, Orange, Brett, 
Yes. They don't mention Agent Orange, but obviously that's the reason, right? But uh, Yeah, they did mention that. Oh, did they? Uh-huh. When? He's uh, he's talking to the lady doing the washing, which I presume was his wife. Um, his widow. And she says that orange, yeah, his widow, she says it's because of all that orange stuff. Oh, I, mm. I honestly, I missed that line, but I just, I knew it was that, that they were yeah. getting that anyway. Uh-huh. Um, he turns up Did she say that orange, orange stuff? I don't think yes. she says that. So she definitely like does. She definitely bad, does. Bad carrots. <laughs> There's no bad carrots. She, she says uh, all that orange stuff that was spreading around okay. in Nam. Well, that's quite. Uh, like, I've seen this all about twenty times. Yeah, I know. I believe you. But <laughs> I, I, it's quite on the nose for like 1980, early 1980s American filmmaking. That I think of very mm-hmm. kind of uh, critical of them to say that. We we all well, know it, it's very critical here, of authority. This film overall, isn't it? I mean that that's the thing about it. It's very critical of the police, isn't it? And they they the way that they the heavy handed you know, ways treat John Rambo as he's just walking through the town. I mean the whole the whole point is that he's a Vietnam vet. He's come back from Vietnam. He's fought for his country, and he can't walk through this quaint town regardless as to how he looks or smells. He can't walk. He all he wants is something to eat. He's not even doing anything. You think it's a you think it's a quaint town? It looks quite nice. It looks lovely to me. I mean, the setting is absolutely brilliant, isn't it? The, the mountains in the that background opening, and stuff like that. That opening bit in the landscape with the mountains and the big lake and the house on it's the edge beautiful. of the lake is amazing. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's gone a long way unannounced to see that fella. Like he, I know, like I know you side with with Rambo, in, in a way, but he's. There's something not right of him going all of that. Of course, way. The, uh, I mean, there's <laughs> definitely not something. I mean, as as what he says, he's definitely suffering from PTSD, isn't he? And he, he's obviously got back. And it, uh, at the end of the film, he's, there's a big monologue where Stallone saying stuff like, you know, I was being spat out at the airport and things like that by people like, yeah. you know, they were protesting against it is, and I, I can't hold down a job and all this kind you of say stuff. Say that at the beginning, does he? That's the first thing Dennehy says to him. So basically. Rambo turns up at this house and goes to the wife who's hanging the washing out. Uh, I'm here to see whatever he's called. And she says, well, he's not here. He's, he died because of that orange stuff. He died of cancer, got him. Uh, and he's like, oh, see you later then. And he just has a bit of a wonder. Well, he's goes, not, I, I disagree with that, Cliff. I, I, he's devastated. He's devastated. He doesn't I mean, much, he, He's he? a man of few words, obviously, Stallone. Of course, and I think there's a reason. He's not very good. <laughs> <laughs> he is good. He's brilliant in this film. He's class in this film. He's class in Rocky. But a lot of this, his stuff, I think, was cut out. I think the the, the film originally was like three and a half hours long. That would be and too Stallone, long. Stallone hated it, right? It's, and he tried right. to buy it back because he thought it would ruin his career. I don't That's blame him because it's too long at an hour and a half. It's not too long at an hour and a half. It's perfect. I don't. I don't know how they would string it out to three hours. Nah, no I don't chance. know how I'd like to see it, but I, I don't know how they could do that. Obviously, it's based on a book. Yeah. And there's a lot of David There's a lot of discrepancies with the book. I don't know if you've spoken about that yet. No, no, not nothing. We just no, said the name of the film before you came on okay, arguing okay. about on a Saturday yeah. night film. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean there's a lot What's of What's the book, Dan? What's the book? So the book uh by David Morrell uh is apparently quite a bit more nuanced in terms of the relationship between John Rambo and uh, 
Sheriff Teasel, who I don't think we know his first name, so I think we'll also call him John, John Teasel. <laughs> um, so we do, we do uh, know his first name. What's his first name? John. Uh, no. <laughs> I've got it written down somewhere. Keep talking, I'll, I'll, I'll tell it to you. Right. Okay, I'm guessing oh. it's either John or Easel Teasel. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> so... Uh, in the in the book, the characters of Rambo and Teasel are supposed to be much more closely mirrored because Teasel's like a, a Korean War veteran and Rambo's a Vietnam War veteran and there's okay. g- generational disagreements between them, but apparently that yeah. was in, in very much a, a kind of that on, on the basic level, they've had the same sort of experiences. They're both kind of hardened combat men. Okay. Um, you don't really get that from, in, uh, from Dennehy in the film, do you? Not at all. Uh, he's presented as much more kind of a sort of petty-minded, a bully. small town like bully cop. Yeah, yeah, and, and also Rambo in the book is a complete nutcase. Mm-hmm. He's a psychotic killer, really, isn't he? Mm-hmm. From what I've read, I haven't actually read the book, but I've, I've downloaded it on the that... audio thing. And I, yeah, I'm going to listen to it. Um, who reads it? I'm going to listen to it next week. I don't know who reads it. If it was Stallone, I, I, that would be absolutely amazing. It would be amazing, wouldn't it? It would be amazing. <laughs> I, I don't know the. I haven't wrote down the, his first name, but his, his first John. name is mentioned. It's not John <laughs> because it, the part where they're pursuing him in the woods uh-huh. and he's he's getting them with the the little traps that he's made, which are that's, wonderful. That's the probably the best sticks. <laughs> the sticks that they're all shouting his name when they get taken down. His first name as well. John. No, it's not John. Shit, <laughs> Teasel, shit, Teasel. <laughs> um, uh, so, yeah, so he ends up in the town. So the point I was making is Denny, the, the sheriff rolls by and he says, ah, Drifter, what are you up to? Where are you going? And Stallone is like, well, what does it matter? I'm just, I'm, where can I get something to eat? And he says, like two miles that way, yeah. And he's like, But that's out of town. He's like, Yeah, you, you got me. Um, but he says, What well, do you expect turning up with that flag on your jacket? And it's the American flag, so I was like, Yeah, eh. I, I was like that. Like, I thought it was going to be like a Confederate flag or something. So that's that which, bit at you know... the end, right? Where he's saying, Like, people spat on me when I came back. So it's obviously yeah. a period in time where. The public hated soldiers for their part in the war that obviously yeah. they got sent to do by the the government. I know Dan, you're a big like uh, reader of the the Vietnam uh, situation and war. I, I've been in uh, Ho Chi Minh City and been to what they call the American War. Surprisingly enough, <laughs> there um, and there's some horrendous, sober and stuff like there. Um, images and texts and you know examples of stuff that went on it, it, it's awful it, it's really really awful um but like is this a, a real thing that like soldiers came back and were hated by the public well obviously like the vietnam war was very polarizing in american society mainly because of the images that were being broadcast back home and the the fact that you actually got for the for the first time, probably to the American public, you actually got reporting of American war crimes that had gone on in places like Milai and stuff like that. So um, mm-hmm. that that obviously was a major national scandal at the time and helped to eventually bring about the end of the war because of the pressure on on Nixon to eventually go and 
go and negotiate an ending. Um, but the interesting thing about this, like in the years after, um, was that Rambo was heavily politicized by Ronald Reagan, um, who was yeah. the president, I think, I think at the time when it came out, or he came directly after Jimmy Carter, yeah, and he constantly that. used to bring up Rambo in his speeches. Um, he was talking about after he saw Rambo 2, now I know what, what to do next time there's another Iranian embassy siege. Um, he was he, he used Rambo as a, um, an allegory for one of his budgets, I think it was, and he was constantly trying to put this image of Rambo as kind of this all-conquering kind of hyper-macho American hero into the public, uh, okay. into the public consciousness um, as, as kind of, as again, allegorical to his own policies because they had in America at the time that this idea of this thing called the Vietnam syndrome that because Vietnam went the way it did and because America were quite, quite rightly in the eyes of the American public, that war was seen as wrong-headed and, uh-huh. and disgraceful in the way it was carried out. Um, so the American public were very reticent about any suggestion to send the troops abroad again in yeah, any kind okay. of interventions. Reagan wanted to get rid of that, and uh, he was all about removing the so-called Vietnam syndrome so that they could okay. basically go and raise havoc around the world again. Okay. And he saw Rambo was key to this, which is quite ironic considering the tone of the first film and where the first book comes from. Especially. Was that not like the, you know, the Springsteen's born in the USA? He adopted that as well, right? Like he, and everybody thinks uh, yeah, that, that uh, is that big kind of, yeah, born in the USA, but the, that song is also a Vietnam veteran story right like it and yeah if you hear the original version on it where he's just playing acoustic guitar it's a lot sadder and a lot more obviously not tub thumping fucking yes where they're amazing army but i think reagan co-opted that and and that is a song that in the public perception much like rambo i think has been changed uh from its original meaning uh in the same way i think yeah that's right and i mean springsteen and in later years i know he he, he sent a cease and desist, I think, to uh, stop Reagan using it at rallies. And, um, <laughs> and years, years later, um, when he went on tour, he started playing it only in that acoustic style, in the, yeah. um, the unplugged style, because he said the way that people were singing it, like singing along to it as this kind of tub thumb and anthem, wasn't how it was supposed to be received in the first place. Okay. Uh, we were, we but were also, got... we're well, running out of time. But also, Vietnam was different because normal was about territory, isn't it? And, Vietnam wasn't like that. The, 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 it was based on body count. The Americans were trying to kill as many of the Vietnamese that they possibly could, and that's how they worked out. You know, the, well, it the was to do with the, the domino theory, wasn't it? It was supposed to be uh, if, if Vietnam falls to communism, then the whole the whole East is going to go communist. Uh, yeah, it, so it's the, like the Cold War, isn't it? It's like, you know, it's, it's about ideology, isn't it? Yes, the Cold War is a bit different. About. Which is another well, it's all about war. communism and it's but, Russia and who they're Vietnam. Vietnam's part of the Cold War. Mm-hmm. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At Bluenile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? 
For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. What's your relationship with this film, Danny? You've seen it before? you a big fan? I've, or I've, what? I've seen it a few times. I wouldn't say I'm a big fan. Um, obviously, I'm a, I'm a huge fan of the 80s action genre in general, but... Um, mm-hmm. One thing I'd say about Rambo is uh, I think he's he's less of an empathetic character than a lot of the eighties action uh, action heroes of the okay. time. If you think about the likes of um, I, I'm try, I'm try, I'm scrambling for one who's not called John, but uh, <laughs> John John uh, John McLean, John Matrix, um, all of these from that this kind of genre have have more kind of human recognizably human qualities to them. Um, recognizable, I would say, to that the average person. There's mm-hmm. something that whether it be that kind of that punning skills or or the fact that they're seen as a little bit vulnerable, uh-huh. they're, they're more more relatable, I think. Uh, whereas John Rambo is is this very very specific um, character of the the trained killing machine, who yeah. his one humanized element is the fact that he's got this PTSD. Um, yeah. So it's it's a it's a strange kind of sympathy you feel for him, but it's not really empathy as such. I would say. Yeah, I don't. I don't think so. It's um, he's. It's a hard one, I think, because the character could go either way with viewers, and maybe that's mm-hmm. why the the redefined it for the the next films, which I haven't seen because I've only just watched this for the first time. But my understanding is he becomes that Reagan character that he wanted it to be in the films that follow this and even in the more recent one i remember when it came out people were just like this is outrageous like he's just yeah fucking he's seeing off enemy forces single-handedly and stuff like that but this first film isn't like that at all which is why i didn't really understand i didn't think it i, I didn't think it was this film um mm-hmm. i always thought it was this big kind of about bombastic He's in the out in the fields and he's killing enemies and all of that kind of stuff. Where it's the opposite, he's killing U.S. 
like policemen and and he's intimidating locals and stuff like that in this he he flips it's a very different film to what i thought it was um but dan you've been uh, uh you know you're published in academic books talking about masculinity in films so like where does this sit in the stuff that you write about and the stuff that you you learn and all of that I mean, Rambo is very much, uh, and the, certainly the image of Stallone as Rambo is at the heart of that idea of 80s kind of very, what, what they call hard-bodied masculinity at the okay, time in academic okay. circles, in terms of there's a lot of emphasis on the kind of the muscular male physique around that time, um, copious amounts of steroids taken, mm-hmm. um, very much, if, if you think of Stallone, Schwarzenegger, um, to a lesser extent, Bruce Willis and Mel Gibson in yeah. the 1980s. But there's that very, very hyper-masculine emphasis on the um, the ultra-violent, ultra-kind uh, of super-strong action hero who is a symbol of those conservative politics of the time, really. Yeah. Um, the Reaganite era, as I say, in American politics is all about putting the Vietnam syndrome to bed, but also putting this idea of supposedly weakened American administration to bed. Uh, Reagan was very critical of Jimmy Carter around the time of... I thought of Jimmy Carter kind of was the, like the nicest of all the presidents. Well, he is, but that's why Reagan was critical of him, uh, because, <laughs> I mean, he's he's pretty much the only American president in the last, like, 50 years who was, like, a decent human being outside of <laughs> uh, outside of being a president. And, like, even though he did, he did some shit, like, he was at the heart of... Uh, I think he was in power when they made the decision to arm the, the Mujahideen and Bin Laden's mob okay. in Afghanistan. But I think he's he's spent a lot of his life after the presidency trying to atone for it. Okay. Um, he's gone and kind of helped like build schools in Africa and things like that and does like election observations and stuff. So he, he at least seems to have a conscience of, of the sort of stuff that he did when he was in power. Okay. But he was, he was one of the least damaging American presidents. But Reagan was about how Carter left all the institutions and the military and the, the homeland security very weakened. And supposedly, this is a lot of what's reflected in the film Rambo with um, Dennehy and the, the local police force are seen as pretty impotent. The National Guard are seen as pretty impotent. Yeah. And this is this is supposedly one of the reasons why Reagan brings it up so much is it it reinforces his, his message at the time that America as a whole had been weakened by, by years of government, by people like Jimmy Carter, and now okay. he's going to come in and, and restore it. But, the, but the, police, the police are the aggressors. They, they're the yeah, ones but that... They're, but they're pretty useless, though. They're seen as... Oh, they're useless. Seen, uh, I mean, they're, 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 they're deaf completely, aren't they? Because Rambo's been trained, you know, he's a Green Beret, he's been in Vietnam or whatever, and they don't know what they're dealing with. Huh? They just think he's a drifter. They, they don't know he's a, 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 you know, a, a vet But they do, whatever. because Denny, he says that he knows that. Yeah, but they don't know it to up. the extent. No, the right. extent. And it's only later in the film cool. that they yeah. actually realise when they're, when they're told, you know, his credentials, I guess. So there's two people that I want to talk about. And one of them is, because mm. Denny isn't the guy that really pushes them over the edge. It's the other mm. fella in the police that decides to administer a beating. I think yeah. I'm not a big fan of Brian Dennehy, or I wasn't when I was younger, but
But as I get older and I rewatch films that he was in in the 80s and stuff, I think he's absolutely mm-hmm. awesome. I think he's amazing in this. What a great yes, character actor he is. But this fella who plays the uh, angry cop that just wants to administer a beating on uh, John Rambo, he's absolutely amazing, even though he's like... He's, he's, he's got part, amazing voice, but doesn't he? He has, but he changes the entire thing, doesn't he? Jack Sterrett, he's called, okay. who plays Gaunt. Uh-huh. And he's the one that really invokes the PTSD and the flashbacks in, in Rambo, isn't he? Yeah. Spraying him and stuff like that, where they try to clean him up and things like that. It, it's police well, it's brutality, it's abuse, it? right? He's, he's, they're it's abusing abuse. him because they feel like yeah. they can I think mm-hmm. those little flashback scenes that only happen every now and then are terrifying. I think they're mm-hmm. horrible. They are. I agree. And it's a film the other thing that's... Those are reactions, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the, the other thing that's terrifying or quite scary, you know, is the bit where they're pursuing Rambo in the woods with the dogs. That's a fantastic sequence, I think. That's absolutely brilliant. And Rambo's kind of hunting them. He doesn't want to kill them. He has the opportunity to kill them, but he doesn't. He's just picking them off, isn't he? And he's he's telling them to leave them alone. Uh-huh. He's, that's what's happening. Where he, says, I, where he says, I didn't do anything. Like when that guy comes down after he's he's brought the helicopter down. Uh, yeah. That's not, strict, not, not strictly true, is it? <laughs> well, it, <laughs> it's not strictly true. But I mean, it, he, he's thrown a rock. Again, against the uh, at the helicopter, hasn't he? But the reason that he's throwing the rock is they're trying to shoot him down and try and kill him as he's standing on the, the, the side of the mountain. Honestly, the cliff. it's an out. The whole thing is absolutely outrageous. He's walking through a town, and the policeman's like, "Get out of this town!" And he's like, "No, fuck you! I can be here." And then the policeman's like, "Right, we're arresting you," and then his mate decides to hose him down. And that triggers something in Rambo that brings back some Vietnam flashbacks. So mm-hmm. he fucking destroys everyone in the police station, then goes on the run in the woods. And they it's not that to, simple, this, man. What? It's not that simple at all. It is. It's not that simple. They keep, they got... they, he, he says to the police, don't push us. And they keep pushing him. They keep pushing him. That's what happens. He's got the right to walk through that town if he wants to, hasn't he? Regardless well, of, as to not, the way I'm he looks and stuff like that. Through the town. I mean, obviously all, he does, all, he does, all he does is he turns around and he ignores Dennehy's advice to get out of the town or whatever. And he's arrested for that, simply for coming back. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's, right. It's, it's, I know you're police sympathizing aggression. with the man. But I am sympathizing with the man because he has, he has the right to walk through that I town, know, but what doesn't I'm he? Is and it get turns, to all of a sudden, there's a helicopter chase in the woods, and there's people being fucking yeah because they keep pushing the guns by sharp <laughs> like logs. It's... it's the legs. It's the legs. <laughs> he, he, he doesn't. He doesn't want to kill anybody. He doesn't want to do that. Well, and that's why he some says pretty aggressive traps. If he doesn't want to kill anyone. <laughs> <laughs> he stabs. I mean, he stabs Caruso in the arse, doesn't he? he doesn't, I'm talking about I mean, uh, David. any arse injuries. Like he's very hours, he's very that. skeptical from the start about chasing after John Rambo, isn't he? Yeah, he is. He's the only one with any semblance of sense, isn't well, he? Can't you see that this man's crazy? No accident that he was the only one who ever made anything of his selling the police in later years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, very good with a got shit. promoted, didn't he? he <laughs> um, moved to Miami and everything. Um, 
So, like, <laughs> during this chase, and there's, you know, we're not going to go into every fact, factor of the chase, but an army man turns up to give Dennehy some advice. This guy is sinister as fuck. You mean uh, the Colonel Troutman? Colonel Troutman. Uh-huh. I think he's the weakest link in the whole film, me, personally. Uh, but he's been parried. Do, you know his, do you know his first name? Yes, yes, God. it's... Um... Bert. <laughs> 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 no, we don't know. We don't. I don't actually know. He's, he, it could be Bert Troutman. Could, yeah. uh-huh. could be Bert. Let's say it's Bert. <laughs> yeah. But this, this guy was supposed to be Kirk Douglas, but Kirk Douglas oh. dropped out. A week Who before he? film. He's uh oh, what's his name, man? Richard Krenner. That's who he is. I like him. And this guy's been parodied like a million times. He's seen hot shots. Well part two. Well, the whole film has like it's this the is what we're talking has. about, but this is a film that everybody like I've never seen it, but I'm fucking well aware of Rambo and what he looks like and the machine gun and the headband and the dirt on his face and all of that. This is a film, again, that the entire aesthetic of it enters popular culture, which is why I I didn't really know what it was about because mm. actually what we're watching doesn't really matter in terms of what everybody thinks about it right now because it, and that's why it's so shocking to watch the film and see what it's really about. But this guy, Krenner, mm-hmm. his character... Genuinely, and you guys tell us what you think, but I was watching him and I thought, this guy's a crank. He's not really still in the army. He's like, he's just trying to like get himself in there, but he's probably fucking mental as well. <laughs> it's an interesting... Oh, I genuinely thought that all the way through until like yeah. until it becomes obviously clear he still is. I thought he was one of these guys that also has PTSD, but still dressing like he's in the army and has turned up to give advice, but has really got no fucking influence whatsoever, and he's just as mad as Rambo is. I mean, unfortunately, that's not the case. I mean, if you, you watch the later Rambo films, he's quite high up in the army, and the, the army have actually sent him into this... Uh, it, into this situation to try and defuse Rambo. In the book, that's not the case. I don't think he's sent to kill him. In the oh, book, okay. Well, he's dead set against killing. He is dead set against killing him in, in the film. I think that a lot of uh, there was loads of different scripts. I think sixteen different scripts, something like that. And I think Stallone had a lot to do with changing Rambo's character into a more sympathetic character again in the book he's just a psycho killer i, I don't think he is sympathetic though i think i don't think uh, you, you don't gets... feel sympathy for him john rumble well, because he's mental. Well, 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 well discussing this well, he is mental but that is that not out. any reason to think that he's not to be sympathetic i i don't think i think he lost my sympathy when he killed the dogs <laughs> Look, they were gonna, they were, they were going for him. Do you uh, know what I mean? It's rule number one: you cannot have the rule the, number you, one. The dogs have, have, to kind of, have to distract them, like how you how you slab a meat or something, and then they just can. Uh, he, he kills the boar a lot later in the film. Ah, but that's he a doesn't boar. have a slab of meat. And he, he got the sense <laughs> of now that the dogs meant a lot to the handler. He was very upset when they were killed. Uh, so, <laughs> Again, that, I probably, to be honest, I probably felt more sympathy for the dogs than I did for John Rambo over the course of the film. <laughs> so, so you both don't have any sympathy for John no, Rambo. You uh, just well, think yeah, well, he's a nutcase, and I, said, I, I think it's it's a very he deserved to thing. be arrested. Is that is that what you no, say? Brett, you're getting no, it wrong. 
he's close. I'm, I'm, I'm asking. There's many sympathetic characters in the film, but I don't think there's that's, any really. That's why I'm asking. Of course, he doesn't deserve to be arrested, and you feel from at that point, but it quickly turns because he goes mental and kills loads of people. <laughs> like, and like, he doesn't kill. He kills one person. One person in the whole it, film. I it's just like names, names a lot of others. He memes everybody else. <laughs> he, the only person that he kills, I and he doesn't back. actually mean to kill him, is is a uh, Gaunt who he, he throws a rock and he falls out the the helicopter. A good shot though, isn't it? He, he kills uh, he kills many people in the subsequent films, though, doesn't he? He certainly does. He kills twenty people in the book, I think. But again, there's a difference from the book to the film. Surely, some um, of those people die from the injuries later. <laughs> I bet they were. We, like, we just don't know. Like the episodes of the A-Team where the A-Team were constantly shooting guns and like calibers and calibers and machine guns, but always just above somebody's head. So nobody <laughs> ever killed them. What do, you, what do you think about the, the scene where he's he's on the cliff and he jumps into the into the tree? That is unbelievable. That That's fucking meant. <laughs> It's very evocative. It's like that kind of, a lot of, I think, like, I get the sense that a lot of those uh, kind of landscape shots and the, the foliage and stuff have been borrowed many, many times yeah. for a lot of action. Well, that, uh, that, uh, what's that film, the um, Harrison Ford, where he jumps out the edge of the... Fugitive. Fugitive. I yeah. just made us think of that straight away. I, I've seen yeah. something, a very, very similar scene in Banshee recently as well. Okay. And the other thing is, how many times have you seen somebody sewing themselves up after he fall, after he jumps into the tree? Yeah. But I don't think it's so realistic. Or it looks so it realistic. Is, it, it looks it's, like he's actually sewing his arm up. I think there's and the loads blood's of stuff, squirting out. I think there's loads of stuff to love about this film, and I think there's loads of stuff that has influenced or been copied in subsequent films. Like Dan was saying, the American president took this as a kind of fucking mission statement, even though he got the sentiment wrong. Yeah, but Reagan's a fucking cunt. Yeah, I know, but this entire thing has just spawned, like, a lot of the things you talked about, you end up watching something 20 years later, and it's influenced by this thing. This film is, like Rocky did, influenced popular culture. It's like, it transcends what what it's about. It's got a spoof version of it in, Mm -hmm. like, Hot Shots and Hot Shots part there, like, you could uh, even argue that the sequels are spoof versions of it, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, well, um, I guess I mean, so. It's a very, the, very politically the, schizophrenic franchise, I think, from like the book and then the changes made to the book for this this film. And then after that, where it goes kind of wildly away from the original sentiment of the book and the sequels. Who directs this? Yeah, well, for me, know? yes, we do. The director is Ted Kutchev. Who also did Weekend at Bernie's and the Red Shoe Diaries? <laughs> that's that's a, that's a director with range. <laughs> it certainly is. To be honest, certainly good is. range. I like that. Good range. Good range. <laughs> and for me, this film it it's indicative of uh, Stallone's career. The first Rocky is unbelievable, absolutely brilliant. The first First Blood is unbelievable. It's it's my second favorite action film. Right, I love that. After Tango, Print, uh, no, Print, uh, I think is the is the best. We're very similar, you know, type of things going on. But Printer, I think, is the best. Yeah, taken for me. 
I didn't hear what you said there. Take, taken with Liam Neeson. Oh, taken. taken oh, all right. Yeah. Well, that's with... just because of Liam Neeson's crazy well, voice. Because, no, my theory is that Taken is the most satisfying film of, of any film. Viscerally satisfying in that everything you want to happen over the course of the film happens. And it usually happens like within a couple of minutes if you want it to happen. <laughs> so, um, I think Wick, like, I think Wick the, the does that. that. It does as well. The, um, and another action hero called John. Um, <laughs> in, <laughs> With, it's with a good name, isn't it? The example I'll give you with Taken is that the guy at the start of the film, the really slimy guy in the airport who kidnaps the two uh, two girls and he comes up behind and going, I wish they all could be California <laughs> girls. And as soon as he sings that, I think, I want that cunt to get his ribs smashed to pieces and then chased in front of a truck on a motorway. <laughs> and that's exactly what happens within five minutes of him singing that song. Uh, I've never seen Taken. Uh-huh. You, know, you must watch it, and also it's a very it's a very short film, so you, oh, can, fantastic. you can easily I will watch, watch it. it. <laughs> and, anyway, what I was saying is it's indicative of his career. That the the first two, the the first films in those franchises are unbelievable, and then it completely goes mental. I mean, it, I know you like Rocky Four. Mm. It, it's far too political, isn't it? It's ridiculously <laughs> political. And but I agree. I agree. The same thing happens. This the same thing happens with the Rambo films. Exactly the same thing. It's almost like Stallone wants to put, you know, whatever's happening in the world at this particular time, he wants to put that in the film, whether it fits or not. Mm-hmm. I Do think you know what I mean? I, I think yeah. my my opinion of Stallone is that he also becomes kind of a spoof of himself, right? Because he's writing and directing and starring in these films that he has a real there's a thought process behind them and there's a, there's a opinion to be had from the films that he's in and they're set in the real world. But as he becomes more famous, that real world is so far behind him. <laughs> Whatever the setting of the film is, that they're so not rooted in his reality or in what his original reality was. But it's a little bit like those bands that become super bombastic and, you know, by their fifth album, the original fans hate them because... They're yeah. on stadium tours and stuff like that. I think Stallone is a victim of his own success in that way because he he becomes just a, a commodity that is put in these films. And even like his appearance and his voice, and we've talked about before when we did Rocky, like it just becomes a caricature of itself and people start taking the piss of how he looks and how he talks. And it's not yeah. even that much, it's not even that funny because it's it's genuinely how he I looks mean, and talks. Yeah, I, I always remember like spitting image in that there was always Stallone, wasn't there? He, yeah. His voice is so easy to imitate or whatever. It's probably Steve Coogan doing it. But it's not to say that Stallone isn't talented. Rocky is one of my favourite films. This is one I of my favourite films. Yeah, I think he is. I, I think he's a very... He's, he's unbelievable. I mean, he, he wrote Rocky, didn't he? And suddenly, he had yeah, a lot to do with the script. Rocky, yeah. He had a ro- very, lot to do with the script in this. And he's, very he's amazingly talented. Yeah. He just kind of... He, he kind of resists the draw of a franchise and kind of... <laughs> he, he, well, I mean, he's, he's, he's made a shitload of money out of all these films. All the Rocky films, all the Rambo films. And why wouldn't he? You mm-hmm. know? I mean, the, kinda, the first ones are the best. He cannot resist clanging and banging, even at his age. He cannot resist getting himself into yeah. in a magaz- Men's Health magazine cover shape. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if it, doesn't, if it doesn't fit with the original character, fuck it. That's what he wants to be. Yeah. And, and the one that is also interesting for me when it comes to Stallone is, is Copland as well, because yeah. mm. wow, Cop- Copland is, is not a Stallone film, is it? Mm. 
He's big. He's put a load of weight on. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's a but different it's, type of stone. Yeah, film and he's I'm also similar about, about Tulsa Kings, which is why I'm looking forward to seeing that. Yeah, okay. yeah. I've, I've, uh, that's the new thing the, from makers of the Sopranos and that, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, yeah, that uh-huh. was good. But there's no coincidence that that Copland film is like, oh, wow, Stallone can really act. Well, we know he can really act. He just uh-huh. seems to not want to for most of the time because it's more about the box office, which is fine. That's fine, mm-hmm. but you can't really. Act. If you, if, I mean, if you've been in Rocky, if you've been in in, in First Blood, and you've created these, or he hasn't created them, but he didn't in Rocky. You, you, these two iconic, proper iconic actors or characters, which you have just talked about. You know, presidents have, have talked about and all that kind of stuff. He, that's that's pretty good, isn't it? Two albums are two brilliant albums. Of course, yeah. I'm pretty really good, aren't I? I'm good. Planet Hollywood. <laughs> and Planet Hollywood with Willis. Willis and uh, Schwarzenegger. And Schwarzenegger. Yeah. Uh-huh. What do you think about his monologue at the end? I, I think that's class. I think that's ah, absolutely brilliant. Wait, wait. Yeah, so. I think that's, yeah. No, but you know, at the end, where it, obviously there's the showdown with, with the sheriff and stuff like that. It shoots him off the roof. And the colonel comes in and he just breaks down, doesn't he? There's, I think he's about... uh, there was a bit of it that I found a little bit uh, disquieting when, um, like, obviously he's, he's talking about it's this, this, the one we're talking about the same one, right? Where he's talking about people calling him baby killers and people spitting on him. Yes, and, stuff. Uh, and yeah. he's talking about his um, friends where, in the shoebox. Like, like he, he puts an inordinate emphasis on uh, how he can't get a job parking cars, and he, he says it like this: "He says can't get a job parking cars like that." It's like specifically cars. It seems like he's specifically annoyed at not getting a job parking cars. Like if, <laughs> all right, if it's bikes, all right. I like, if it's I, like it's shows, I can do that. But why not cars? <laughs> I didn't know. It did. I, I think it goes on a bit. It's about eight minutes yeah. long. It's not like, but I, I, yeah. love, I think it's class. It's not. It's not eight minutes long at all. It's not. I, th- I think <laughs> that's like you know that brings you back to. This man is is a, a troubled man. He's he's a trouble. He's not just an action hero running around shooting at people. He's a man with problems with PTSD. Yeah, yeah. You know. You know what I and, think? And if that monologue just, it grounds him. If you just try to talk to that widow at the beginning a little bit more instead of just leaving immediately, this film could have been totally different. <laughs> she didn't want to talk to him. If you watch the film, she wants him away. As well. so yeah, because he's a fucking yeah, yeah. stranger that's just walked. Yeah, he's, to the he, edge but of he's got no way. He's got no way to go, has he? He's got no he's way to go. He's a drifter. You don't get you don't get many drifters in films now, do you? You should though, shouldn't yeah. you? Yeah, well, they're, they're always interesting characters. Uh huh. You should. You, you certainly should. I mean, this is the best drifter film, I think, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> um, that, it's either that, it's either that a high plains drifter, uh-huh. or maybe the chocolate bar a drifter. <laughs> <laughs> Which you, uh, can you still buy drifters? No, but let's bring That's them upsetting. back. Brian Dennehy chased them all off the shelf. <laughs> and Brian Dennehy <laughs> shut them down. <laughs> the the other brilliant scene I think is is where he's in the cave where obviously the national guard uh, you know just blow up the the cave and stuff and the rats eye. I don't like the rats, though. But that well, that's bit obviously he's, part of his PTSD, right? Being like waterboarded and in the dark. Yeah. In this, you know. What do you What do you make of the theory that I mean? The, I think the director said it, and the um, 
the novelist said it about like it being a case of a film about bringing the Vietnam War home to America. Um, and showing them the, the horror of, of the story. But what do you make of the idea that Rambo is kind of representative of the North Vietnamese army um, and kind of like in the police or the Americans and that scenario? That he's been turned, or like he's just indicative of it, or he's been turned into it. Just that he's kind of, the, the portrayal of him in the film is like an allegory for them because like of the kind of, the tactics that he uses against yeah, the police. Yeah, I get that. Vietnam, I, Vietnam I get that. Viet Cong offensive term, but there's no better one right now. Um <laughs> yeah, I, I I get that. I think it. Yeah, he's you know he's he's in the he's in the jungle, isn't he? And he's in the undergrowth and he's hiding in fucking holes and shit like that. And the the police are woefully unprepared to, for that kind of combat. So I think that absolutely stands up. I think. Yeah, yeah. it does. I, I actually hadn't thought of that. I hadn't read anything about that. But yeah, that's that's a. Uh... It certainly makes sense, doesn't it? And, and again, it makes it quite strange in terms of how it changed ideologically the series in the years later. Well, that's it. But that's Stallone's input, isn't it? As we've talked about before, with you know, when he's starting to write, it, it, everything's political. Everything that he puts in is political. Or what? Are, like are his politics bad? Is that what we're saying? <laughs> no, I don't. I don't, I don't, I don't think, think he's so. outspoken politically. I don't think he is, but I think he, he, he always wants to put whatever's happening in the world at that particular moment in time. Very he heavy wants handed, to put it in. Heavy-handedly trying to reflect the world at the time in a film. Is that, is that what you he's, think? He's, he, he's, he's basically he's, he's reflecting, isn't he? So he's, he's looking at what's going on at the moment. I'm going to put this into the, into the film, whether it's Rocky or Rambo it, or whatever. Not doing it with much nuance as he gets more famous, I suppose. Well, I, I mean, it depends. I mean, you've got to go back to the the times. I mean, Rocky Rocky Four obviously was there coming towards the end of the Cold War and stuff, wasn't it? But you know, it was it was still around. I mean, the third Rambo film is about you know Afghanistan, isn't it? The third Rambo film is hilarious to watch. Retrospectively, I remember watching it for the first time when I was a, a student at Salford, and we're kind of laughing at laughing like drains at um, the scenes of him playing. Catch the goat caucus with the friendly Mujahideen. Yeah, he's, he's, he's supporting the Mujahideen, isn't he? Yeah. Against the, the Russian infidels, isn't he? Mm -hmm. In that film. What the fuck I mean, the, the second one, the second one, he he, he goes back to Vietnam because there's, there's, PO, there's prisoners of war that he's got to rescue who've been left behind or whatever. Like which, it's just that. ridiculous. It's just ridiculous. Well, that's like, again, there was a whole kind of genre of like subgenre of B movie action films, like a lot of Chuck Norris films around that theme as well, with the, the idea of yeah. there were these these left behind POWs in America. Yeah. And, um, uh, like like the, the Vietnamese, the North Vietnamese wouldn't just shoot them. But why are they <laughs> keeping them there and having to feed them? They wouldn't, would they? I just mean, so it's so get them to play Russian roulette all the time. But they yeah, well, also yeah. wouldn't have been North Vietnamese at that point because it would have been a unified country. <laughs> Just Vietnamese. <laughs> Just Vietnamese. Yeah. Exactly. They changed the outlook at that point. More welcoming. Anyway, we've got 10 minutes left. <laughs> Brett, have you, have you got a quiz first? Yes, a very quick one, because we're running out of time, aren't we? Oh, we've it's about Stallone films. Okay. That's what this is about. Can so I play this as well? Of course you can, but you're going to get all the answers, right? What are you talking about? So I'm going to, I'm going to read out the oh, IMDb description. <laughs> And you've just got to tell us the film that Stallone's in. So there you go. Is it the first, first one? one 
Well, just whatever. I'm not bothered. <laughs> a Las Vegas mob enforcer travels back to his hometown to investigate his brother's mysterious death. What Ooh. film's that? Going through a mama That's... from the train? You know what? He's not in that. Uh, I don't think there is such a film. I think it's Throw Mama from the Train. And uh, <laughs> this was a secret. Um, right? Is this. Um, hmm. Shall I give you a clue? Yeah. It's a remake. Okay, um, get Carter. Get Carter is right. Uh, well yeah. done. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Hey, the, the original Get Carter is fucking genius, by the yeah. way. I remember Stallone, um, actually, when they were going to demolish that tower block in Gateshead, Stallone was uh, very vociferous against oh, the really? demolition. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Uh-huh. The car Didn't park it was, it. I think he was going to come and chain his cell to the car park. Remember when he was on the pitch when Evermore played? Were you watching that <laughs> Yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, <laughs> that, was, that was interesting, wasn't it? Uh, oh, me fucking thing. Right, come on. Stop <laughs> filming it, Bulmers. It's gone all over the place, man. Well, you're very good at it. <laughs> I am. I'm, I'm good at making things ejaculate, Spurt. I'd like to say. Spurt. 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 Ask I'm not as good person. as I once was. Come on. I'm doing it, man. I'm doing it. A woman entices a bomb expert she's involved with into destroying the mafia that killed her family. Is this also co-star Sharon Stone? Yes. Yes. I can't you know what the name, name of the film. film is? It's like the bomb, it's, I know bomb the film, expert. It escapes us at the moment. Right? It's The Specialist. The yes, specialist, that one. Yes, yeah. A police officer is brought out of suspended animation in prison to pursue <laughs> an old... <laughs> yes, that's, that's right. A botched. I think he's made... called John in that film as well, isn't he? John Spartan. I think so. I think he is, yes. John Spartan. A botched mid air heist results in suitcases full of cash being searched for by various groups throughout the Rocky Mountains. Oh, cliffhanger. Yeah. Is that what that film's about? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was just like some rock, so. rock climbers. <laughs> Have you not seen Cliff? Uh, Cliff? No, no. Craig, Fa- Craig Fairbrass is in it. Uh-huh. Your, is he? Your dog oh, yeah. He's one of the main uh, villains. Do you like him? Yeah, I'm a big fan. I'm, uh, uh-huh. I'm enjoying his late career uh, renaissance. Have you watched that With, muscle uh, film, Brett? What muscle film? It's just called the porn. Muscle. <laughs> the porn film. I've seen plenty oh, of porn muscles. It's, 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 some some it? it's got some strange <laughs> porn-esque scenes in it. Like. Does it? Well, and no, it's also got, uh, got scenes filmed at Marsden Rock. Oh, is it? Yep. Uh, are you ill in it? I should I should be, but I was in hospital at the time. Uh, you should have been. That's disgraceful. Watch I, thought, I thought that guy was just in like SAS films and uh, films about the Essex boys and that. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's, I see he's, he's enjoying it? a late, late career in airsons at the minute. Is he? I'll take your word for it. Right. A tough police sergeant's overbearing mother comes to visit him and begins to meddle in his life uh, and well, career. So I'll let you have this don't, one. don't throw mama from the train, but say stop or my mom will shoot. And That's it. Those yes. two those two That's films are the, are the same That's... in my mind. Estelle, Estelle Getty from the Golden Girls. Uh-huh. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> what a film, man. Annie Ramsey ah. is in Don't Throw Mama from the Train. So. BDV's in Throw Don't Throw, throw Mama, Mama from, from isn't it uh, Danny DeVito? BDV, yeah. 
uh-huh. and Annie, Annie Ramsey from the Goonies is the mama, I believe. Is it? All right. Oh, yes, that's true. <laughs> Last one. Tough trucker Lincoln Hawk is determined to win back his son and triumph at the World Arm Wrestling Championships. Oh, um, over the top. Over the top. It's over the top. Well done. He's got everyone right. Apart, well, you got the specialist right. I was, I, was specialist. Get about that. I was hoping for Cobra to get a little appearance there. Yeah, I didn't he's mention got a, that. He's got a great, a great body of work. <laughs> he has. <Okay. laughs> <laughs> I mean, Rocky and First Blood. You could have just stopped a great like body, Copland. and I would have also agreed with that. You've got a great <laughs> body. And, and he's a hard worker, so it all works. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see this new sopranos type thing but is he mm-hmm. not in the recent like crap superhero pretend you know like when there's not he, really superheroes he, he does the voice for a shark i think in um that's not what i meant suicide <laughs> squad i think is it no there's something yeah. like recently like it's you know where there's a lot of films now where they're not really superheroes but the people think they might be or something like that i'm sure there was a recent film on amazon prime or netflix that easy yeah there was yeah, there was. Well, he's a bin man or something. He's a bin man. What's it called? <laughs> it's John yeah. Binman. Oh, is it? Was that the Samaritan? Oh, sorry. Yes, yes that's, that's right. That's right. Yeah. John Samaritan. John Samaritan. Probably is called John. <laughs> where's, where's John Rambo? The first of the um, the the in improbably named Johns in action films. I think so. You got after that John McLean. Because like nobody else, nobody else in history has ever been called Rambo, have they? <laughs> no, no nobody else has ever had like the, the McLean is called John. McLean's John. a plausible name, but John Matrix isn't. John Spartan's not. Why, John Link why, isn't. Why do you keep saying John Matrix? Because he's a, he's a character. Who in what? John Matrix. John Matrix from Commando. Oh, I thought he went from the Matrix. I thought that was no, kind of reason. <laughs> Uh, he might be called John Matrix. No, I don't know. Uh, he, he's called Mr. I think that was, that, was, that was Jim Matrix, wasn't it? <laughs> thought that was his name and that. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't seen that either, so I don't know. <laughs> uh, Command- Commando is good. Commando has got um like the, the best the best villain in action films, would you say, Brad? That fellow with the tash. Bennett, aye. The tash and the chainmail vest. Yeah. Uh-huh. I mean I like his clothes. Getting old, <laughs> <Of course>. John. <laughs> I thought. Uh, is it, uh, I Commando, thought is that about his daughter? Aye. Is that his? Is that his daughter? He's trying to get his daughter back or something it's, like um, that. Alyssa Milano in it, isn't it? Oh, right. I've I've only seen it once or twice. I think Commando. I, I don't think I've ever seen Cobra, which Cliff mentioned. Mm-hmm. But I remember the the game for the Commodore sixty four. The, the cover, yeah, where he's got that big the gun. Shades. And he's got the good... yeah, the shades. Mm-hmm. Right, yeah. Brett. Thank you, mm-hmm. thank you, Dan. It's been a, a sometimes serious and a sometimes ludicrous conversation about uh, John Rambo one. Uh, so, Brett, <laughs> can you introduce the music we'll be hearing? I certainly can. This week we've got uh, music from James Gray, John Gray with a lovely song. He's got a lovely voice. He's from the northeast as well. Where in the northeast? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Either. Anyway. I, try, I did try to find out earlier, but uh, uh, I did as well. And this is Years and Years. It's a lovely song. It is very nice. Well, thank you, 
James Selmer said, John. Thank you, James, for sending this in. Thank you everyone for listening. Dan, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for your you. excellent insight as always. Brett, lovely to see you. I'm gonna go. Not to so bed. much you, to be no. honest. I'm I'm bit I'm I'm a bit upset with you. Why? I'm only joking. What am I doing? I'm, <laughs> I'm only kidding. I'm only joking. Okay, well end on a sad note but I'll see you later (laughs) (laughs) bye bye
Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.